All right. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, this is our first inaugural podcast of We Have Opinions. Third time recording it. Too. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm. Yeah. This is our first third inaugural podcast of We Have Opinions. My name is Tim. And my name is Sabrina. And we have opinions. Uh, we're husband and wife. We have spirited enjoy- discussions about uh, popular culture and the things we love. So. There you go. So if you would like to hear in on conversations about pop culture, movies, music, books, comics, video games, uh, anything of that nature, this is the place you want to be. Uh, that's what Sabrina and I both love. So we like to really talk about it, dive into it, and obsess over it. So, so. Our goals in this podcast is to kind of have spirited conversations, in-depth conversations about pop culture. We'll give everybody a warning up front. There will be spoilers in some of the conversations that we have about things. I know I personally think that sometimes the journey is just as fun as the destination when it comes to stuff. I have no patience, so I look up something I want to know the answer to immediately. Henceforth, why I knew it was going to happen in Rise of Skywalker two days before uh, we got to go see it. And then I had to keep that bottled up inside me for two days and I almost exploded. So, Because <laughs> that is actually one of the few things I wanted to keep spoiler free to before I went and seen it. I didn't spoil the big thing for me, though. Right. So that was nice, but pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm. And also, just another warning about our cast is that uh, you may hear words of a suggestive nature every now and then. Sometimes we get a little too spirited in our in our arguments. What he means to say is that fuck is my favorite word. That is it. Babe. Yep. Yeah, yeah I know. So. So you may hear that from time and time again. So if you are offended by things like that, just bear that in mind. So So we're going to break it into a couple segments. So uh, our first segments kind of be like um, some news, like what's new in popular culture. Um, Then we're also going to kind of talk about what we're what we're into right now. Um, And then we'll get into the actual main topic that we're discussing. Uh, this particular episode, our main topic is going to be what what I what I pose to my husband as desert island songs. Right. So you only have ten songs. You're on a desert island. You only have ten songs you can listen to for the rest of your life. What are those ten songs? And so it's kind of like your top ten, but not really because they're not in any particular order. We thought this would be a good idea for our first podcast, so that uh, kind of like a getting to know you phase, Just, you know, that, and so we can kind of figure out on our own how we're doing so right uh well let's start with uh things that are going on right now in the news babe so um i don't really know how much news it is uh at the end of march Mm -hmm. uh best buy released the skywalker saga collector's edition Mm -hmm. giant ass box set uh on 4k first time most of the star wars movies have ever been on 4k unfortunately uh, the original trilogy is still the special edition so they are the ones that have been digitally remastered and stuff added to them and taken out of them right and i think that's what the this this is like the fifth remaster or fifth special edition like, because they the the infamous McClunky is now added to it. Now. Yes, I think so. Because I'm I know they're different. Because I used to have the uh, Blu-ray set for the complete Skywalker Saga, which came out 
the set I have is not the set from Disney. So mm-hmm. I had the old G book set, which mm-hmm. I think is from like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. So I think that that is, that is not the same cuts of the films that are in the 4k releases. That's right. Yep. I know that Disney's recently done another cut, uh, like in case in point with the new hope, uh, the Han shot Greedo scene. Yeah, they added that, something new to it this time. For they some reason, they added Greedo shouting an obscenity at Han Solo before he gets shot. So now that's why it's called the infamous McClunky cut. You know, I really hope... Hashtag McClunky cut. I really hoped when uh, they took Star Wars away from George Lucas, they'd stop all this madness. And apparently I was wrong. No, no, no. God it, forbid. It'll change forever. Anyway, so uh, we happen to have purchased said box set for yep. somebody's birthday. Thank you. Uh, and it is actually, I mean, the cuts of the films are interesting. I mean, you know, they aren't the cuts people want. People want the originals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mm-hmm. still have we still have the VHS box set. Yep, of that the, I had from when I was like a child still sitting on our shelf because that's the original cut. Right. Um, just remastered. Just Yes, that's the one with Leonard Moulton at the beginning talking to George Lucas about the movies. Um, but, you know, we wa- we haven't watched that many. We decided, though, to, start, to sit down and watch them all. Because I have not seen the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, not the original trilogy. The prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, I haven't seen the prequel trilogy since they came out in theaters uh, when I was... The first one came out and I was eight years old. That was the that was the last time I had seen Phantom Menace. Uh, and we started watching them. And so far, it's the only one we've gotten through. Yes. It is worse than I remember it. Uh, the nicest thing I can say about yeah. it, though, is that the 4K does look pretty. Yes. I think that's part of the problem is that since we have to start with the prequel trilogy, we've got to slog through the prequel trilogy before we get to the good ones. And it really sucks the fun out of it when after you finished Phantom Menace and it just, and then you look and say, well, what's episode two? How long is it? Two and a half hours? Jesus Christ. Because exactly you already sat over two hours watching Phantom Menace, and now you're going to have to sit for two and a half hours and watch I can't Attack of the Clones. I can't count which, the number of times my eyes crossed during Phantom Menace. Which, personally, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are my two least favorite Star Wars movies. I haven't seen Attack of the Clones since it was out in theaters. Mm. So I can't really comment on that. I mean, you know my feelings. I put Last Jedi really low on my list. I, I really dislike that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I need to watch uh, Attack of the Clones before I decide where it goes. I know the only redeeming one of the prequel trilogy is Revenge of the Sith. I know it's not great, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a million times better than the other two. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, but we have, our goal is to get through it. How about that? Yeah. The 4k looks really nice. That's oh, the yeah, only yeah. one we've watched so far. And it looked really good. It looked really good. And I mean, we have, I mean, we have, we have 4k player, but we also have a 70 inch 4k TV. Yes. Which I think kind of helps. Yeah. Cause you really get to see, I mean, you know, it's in 16 by, it's in 16 by nine. Uh, you get the really nice, I mean, the picture's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked nice. It was a terrible movie. Holy oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it, it did not, it, the, the, the cleanup for the 4K did not help it in any way with the plot. The, the, the whole, the, the whole, uh, or the acting or the, <laughs> or the directing or anything like that. 
it and, made its name. It just made it look prettier. Right? <laughs> and the whole uh, George Lucas can't write dialogue thing. Yeah. I never realized how true that was until a 28-year-old me sat down and watched and, uh, Phantom Menace. And that's the problem because you know in the original series he had people that helped him write. Because he came up with the outline and then other right. script writers wrote the damn thing right. for him. But this one, you could tell there was no that he was surrounded by yes men that just fawned over everything that he created, and then you end up with that. Eight year old me knew this was not a good movie. Uh, Twenty eight year old me has confirmed that this is not a good movie. <laughs> um, but the the box set is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, hundred uh, percent. You know, it opens up. You have that the really nice book. Each, I mean, it's twenty seven discs. Each each movie has a four K, has the Blu Ray, and then each movie gets a disc of special features. Right. Uh, I know some of them are old special features, so like the stuff that's on the uh, box that I used to have is mm -hmm. on it. Right. Uh, I think it also has some new stuff and some stuff that was made back in that time but never put on disc. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We haven't watched the special features. Um, but, you know, it's really nicely packaged. It's got, right. you know, it's got the, the note from Mark Hamill in it. it if you have the extra, you know, 250 bucks, or if you want to wait, it might go down in price. I, kind of, I didn't pre-order it because I was kind of hoping it would go down in price, and it did not. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I would recommend it if you're a Star Wars fan. And it looks really pretty on our shelf with our other box sets that we got sitting up beside it. So. Yeah. Uh, one of the other big things is HBO Max is going to be coming out soon. Now, HBO Max is just going to be another $15 streaming service I'm going to purchase. So mm -hmm. my whole getting rid of cable because it was cheaper to just have internet and streaming services has just gone out the window. Yes, yeah, since we're, what, up to four or five streaming services now? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Somewhere so, in there. Uh I, I mean, looking at the list of stuff that's going to be on it, it's going to be good. Uh, especially if a lot of this stuff is going to be moved. I know a lot of this stuff is going to be kicked off of other streaming services once HBO Max launches. So it's going to be nice because you can watch that stuff on there. Um, although, you know, it's kind of crappy when you have to switch around because of contracts with this company, contracts with that company, you're making it so that you can't keep watching it. Mm -hmm. But... You know, well, that's capitalism, so, you know. Well, you know, I never purchased... I, we don't have HBO Go, and we don't have HBO Now. Um, we don't have a cable subscription, so we don't have HBO included with our... With anything. Right. Um, but I like a lot of the older HBO shows, so it'd be, it'll be interesting to watch. I know... I also know Game of Thrones is one of your favorites, although mm. I don't know if it's a show you'd sit down and watch in its entirety again. Mm, probably not after the last season kind of sucked all the fun out of it. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, I know right now you can watch some of the HBO shows on like Amazon Prime. So it'll be interesting to see if those are those going to be on it. I know you have the... See, I'm looking through the list right the now. The list pulled up. I know one big thing they're getting is the, is the exclusive streaming services of South Park, which, I mean, at this point, who watches South Park? I don't think we watched the last, like, four or five seasons of it. No. I mean, I love, South Park's kind of... It's it's similar to The Simpsons. It's kind of run its course. I love the old episodes of South Park. Oh, yes, 100%. Like, you and I definitely. sat down and, like, over a three-month period, watched the first, like, 15 seasons of that show. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. But... Granted, some of those episodes didn't age too well. They did not. But still, it was funny. Any more... Uh, I mean, I still I still like... My favorite character is Randy. Mm -hmm. So I still like anything with Randy. And Randy got better as a character as the show went on. Yes. 
Um, and then I just like when they make fun of Canadians because I love Canadians. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they got the the next three seasons of South Park are going to air on. They're getting a bunch of the stuff from uh, they're, they're Cartoon going, Network and Adult Swim. Right. Uh, they're Hanna-Barbera stuff. It looks like they're going to have an agreement with the CW for all their TV shows. So like all the DC TV shows. Yeah, those are some of those are some uh, of those like are really good. They're going to have an agreement with Crunchyroll for a bunch of anime. Studio Ghibli is going to be on it. I love Studio Ghibli. Uh, they're going to have the Criterion Collection. It's going to stream stuff on it, which will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they actually put on the streaming service for Criterion. Now, granted, for me, watching the movies with Criterion is good, but I like the the whole package that you get with Criterion. I like. Mm -hmm. You know, they always take so much care. The packaging is always really nice. Mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah. the special the, features are good. The Criterion Collection, yes, the movie is an important thing, but I think the fact that it's a physical medium also helps with Criterion Collection. And you and I are very much um, physical media, media collectors. Yes, yes 100%. Uh, I mean, I know I can stream pretty much anything on my TV, but I like to have the physical copy in my hand. And the mm -hmm. same way with video games, you're the same way with music. Oh, yeah. You would much rather have the CD. You, yes. you, before I met you, I couldn't tell you the last CD I actually physically bought. <laughs> um, I am that way with vinyl. I like to have vinyl in my hands. Mm -hmm. uh, so even though we have a lot of streaming services, if it's something I really like, it's something I'm going to purchase. Um, but so that'll just be another $15 a month that we'll be shelling out. Yeah. So. Uh, the other to my grandparents and they can watch it more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that we've got, uh, on our things on it, obviously right now we're in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak, mm -hmm. uh, which is hammering, uh, Hollywood and all the big major film studios because all the movie theaters are shut down right now or at well, least well, at least like, in our state i think they are in almost every state now but uh yeah because most of the movie theaters are chains so they're owned by bigger corporations so mm -hmm. they've opted to so that corporations shut down the whole thing mm -hmm. but not only that but they can't make movies i mean movie yeah. movie production is just completely shut down in general right so a lot of movies that were going to come out this year are getting either postponed to later in the year or getting pushed to next year entirely, or they've been to be determined, which is a nice way of saying we didn't have much faith in this movie in the first place. And so we're just we, kind of scuttle it until yeah, somebody forgets about it. It got shit canned. Yeah. Uh, Dis Disney moved a lot of theirs. Um, Mulan was the big one. I think it got moved to mm -hmm. like August, September or somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Uh, all of the MCU movies got moved to later in the year or the beginning of next year. Right. Specifically in the MCU, I, I just uh, read before we got here was that uh, Sony's moving the Spider-Man sequels. I know. Hold on to your hats, folks. They're making more Spider-Man movies because I know we love those. We're up to how many now? We're up to... We have the, the three Tobey Maguire movies. You have the two Amazing Spider-Mans. You have the uh, Homecoming and in Far, Far From, From Home. Home into the Spider-Verse. Spider so we're nine movies in now. And then you got Venom, which is technically in the same universe. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're getting pretty deep in it. And then I guess they're also now making... Yeah, but we're having that problem in the entire MCU. Like, That's we true. need to stop pumping out four, four superhero movies. I remember when it was like one or two 
MCU movies a year, and so it was an event when they when you went right. to go see them. Now we're up to what five or six a year. Now I I do everything in my power to talk you out of making me go see them. <laughs> we say I couldn't tell you the last one we actually went in theaters and Black sat Panther. Down Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther was the last one we actually sat down. And yeah, saw so there theaters. was a. a we lot. didn't even watch Captain Marvel. No. No, we we actually even owned it and decided to get it. rid of it before we even watched it. Um, so, but the spite with the Spider-Man ones, it's they're moving. Well, one was already going to be clear in 2022, and that's the sequel to End of the Spider-Verse, which I actually would look forward to. End of the Spider-Verse was a really, really good, refreshing take on the Spider-Man mythos, and then the other one's the sequel to Far From Home. It got moved from July of 2021 to November 5th of 2021. Well, considering we haven't seen either either of those films, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure it I mean, I'm sure it upsets a lot of people, but I am not in that in that list. I mean, I will give it I will give Homecoming credit because it It was an actually good Spider-Man movie. Which well, yeah, is after something that hasn't happened in a long, long time. time. Correct. Uh, but it it kind of juxtaposed the because the, they all harp on great power may great with come great power comes great responsibility blah 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 you know the, the, the uncle ben thing but after you hear that so many times okay we get it you don't have to bludgeon us over the head with it with homecoming they kind of flipped it because spider-man didn't think he could actually be a superhero and help people without the fancy suit that Tony Stark gave him. And so he could still, so the, the fight was, is that or the crux of the story was that he could still be a hero mm -hmm. even without having the super suit. So is there any other news? Unfortunately, there's not a lot of pop culture news going on right now with what's going on in, in the, the rest world. of the world. So. Yeah. Um, so, before we get into our main topic, let's kind of talk about what we've kind of been into lately. Okay. Um, so what have you been listening to, Tim? I recently got the new uh, album from Nightwish, uh, Human Nature. Uh, not really caring for it, which is sad because I really like Nightwish. If you're going to do symphonic metal, that's the band you're going to want to listen to because, you know, they're kind of like the symphonic metal group i think they kind of went a different way with fleur jensen than i like than i like because i liked her in a lot of other stuff and i thought in endless forms most beautiful the the last album she did a better job with some of it showing her range this one they just basically want her to be a cookie cutter nightwish lead singer and it i i don't think it works for her as well I haven't listened to very much of it. Just what I've heard while I was in the car with you one day. Uh -huh. It just seems like they're, she's not comfortable. Like mm -hmm. her range was really high and it uh -huh. sounded really off. Yeah. She, it, it was really high and it seemed like she was straining a couple times to get those notes and the, the arrangement of some of the songs for her, I didn't really care for. And a lot of this album, unfortunately, sounds like a lot of stuff that you'd hear from Nightwish before. So, uh, I am listening to uh, my new favorite obsession. So, a lot of Rush, uh, 
but not like this last week really though mm -hmm. uh, i have been listening to a lot of um the music that's been released from the upcoming 1975 album okay so what's going to be notes on a conditional form which will come out in a couple weeks okay i have it pre-ordered um what's the what's the new single off of that if you're too shy, let me know. Okay. Which is just this really poppy, like, something, something, 80s. Take off the clothes. Yeah. It's this really <laughs> poppy 80s kind of throwback yeah. that I absolutely love. <laughs> it's going back to their sound that I love. Mm -hmm. It's going back more towards where no one album from the 1975 sounds the same. I think that's why I like them. Mm -hmm. Their first album is very much like a pop punk kind of, kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Very kind of gritty. Their second album is super polished, which is I like I like the way you sleep for you're so beautiful yet so unaware. And that's the one that's a super eighties throwback. Yes. A lot of synth. A lot, lot of synth, a lot of a lot of hooks, a lot of a lot of pop. Um and I really like that. And with the exception of people, which it which was their first single off of No to Conditional Form, mm -hmm. everything else they've kind of released has kind of harpened back towards that. Mm -hmm. Um Except for uh, Me and You Together song, which sounds like a song that would have come out in like 2002, like when yeah. I was a teenager. Yes. Um, so I really like that. Um, and then A Brief Inquiry on the Online Relationships is my uh, my angry album. Like that is the album I put on when I am in a bad mood. It is such a I mean, you can feel the earnest in that album. You can feel, you know, the place that he wrote that album in, mm -hmm. which is what I like. Um, so that's actually what I've been listening to. I mean, you know, I listen to a lot of Rush, but other than that. Okay. Uh, what have you been reading? Uh, right now, I have been reading, uh, I just started Gideon the Ninth by Tasman Mir. It is, first off, it, unfortunately, I didn't know that when I first bought it, but it's going to be a series, which I don't really like book series they kind of i wish because it it take usually it takes away from the story mm -hmm. if you're gonna have to buy three more in so many months you're gonna have to buy two more books in as to make it a series to understand the entire story so right now i'm enjoying it it took me a little bit to get into it but now i'm in it and i'm liking it so we'll see where it goes from there um in regards to comics, I'm really enjoying the new Vader series. Uh, unfortunately, right now, Diamond uh, Distributors is not issuing new comics, so there's not much going on right now. And I just opened up a new pool list. Yeah, you need to contact them and see, yeah, and see, see what's if you going have on. With, yeah. So that's pretty much it. For Didn't me. you just finish another trade too? The other day oh uh yes volume five of lazarus i'm getting back into lazarus by greg ruka uh so it's it's a really good story so i'm enjoying that yeah uh i am currently reading disgraced land uh i like i like nonfiction. you're you're more of a fiction person and i'm more mm -hmm. of a nonfiction person mm -hmm. uh this is just about celebrities behaving badly uh so it's actually kind of interesting um, I'm enjoying it so far. I've only read a couple stories. Uh, my favorite was probably the one they did about uh, Swedish, uh, Norwegian black metal. That one was good. Um, but I'm reading that right now. Uh, not really reading any comics. I'm not really the comic person. That's more Tim. Uh, so what are you watching? Uh, I finished uh, not too long ago Star Trek Picard, 
which I have really enjoyed. Uh, along with it, just finished. Uh, I'm up to date on Star Wars The Clone Wars, the final season, which is being released right now. There's two episodes left to go. Right now, we're in the middle of the Siege of Mandalore. So if you know anything about the Star Wars mythos, uh, you pretty much know what's going on with it. It's taking place contemporaneously with episode three. So the events of episode three are going on as this storyline is going on. Okay. And so they're intermingling and it's making it really good because you know, the wall is coming. You, It's like a horror movie or a disaster movie. You know, the bad thing is coming down the line and it's inching closer and closer okay. and you have, but none of the characters realize it yet. Okay. So order 66 is more than likely going to happen in this next episode. And it, it's just building up. You can feel the tension in each episode. So I'm really enjoying it so far. Okay. Um, other than that, I know together we're watching, uh, we're finally getting sit down and watch the Orville, mm -hmm. which is uh, pretty much Seth MacFarlane's love note to Star Trek fans. Specifically to Next Generation. Yes. Yes. It even has the cuts for commercials like it's an episode of Next Generation. Yeah. And it's got Jonathan Frakes directing it. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> we all know I love Jay Frakes. <laughs> Hashtag call me Jay Frakes. All right. Um, and then pretty much that's that's pretty much where we're at. Um, mm -hmm. Movie-wise, we talked about we were trying to get through the Star Wars movies a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. um, we watched Lords of Chaos the other day, which was, it was good. It was about 20 minutes too long. Yeah. I mean, that, I thought it was, I thought the character, or I thought the actors were really good in it. Uh, it's actually a book. It's it's based oh, off of a of a of a book. Oh, okay. So maybe we'll have to get the book and see yeah. how it compares. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it. So we're going to get right in now to our main topic. Um, and like I said a little bit earlier in the show, our main topic this time is what I call Desert Island songs. My husband has a hard time telling me what his favorite song from any given band is. So I postulated the question, if you were on a desert island and you can only listen to 10 songs for the rest of your life, what 10 songs would you pick? and why. So we're going to kind of get into that. You'll kind of see the difference in our musical tastes. Uh, Tim is much more a metal, uh, all different kinds of metal, not so much like screamy shit metal, but uh, like melodic metal. You're going to notice that I kind of stick with one genre while Sabrina kind of bounces around all over the place in hers. That's, that's what my brain is doing. Or a little, she bounces around a little more than I would. So, uh, Sabrina, you want to go first with your first one and we'll go from there? Uh, sure. Uh, so the number one song on my list. Now, granted, these are in no real order, although this one is number one because this is my favorite song. Uh, number one for me is Wasted Time by the Eagles. Uh, Wasted Time was is the last song on the first side of Hotel California, uh, which was released in 1976. Uh, the Eagles, if anybody wants to know, uh, consists of uh, their main lineup was Don Henley, Glenn Fry, uh, Joe Walsh, Timothy B. Schmidt, and Don Felder. Um, they had a couple different, a couple changes along the way. Don Felder got kicked out because he's a little whiny baby pants. They had a different guitar player in the beginning that Joe Walsh replaced named Bernie Ledden. Uh, and they had a different bass player for a long time named Randy Mesner, uh, who sang uh, Take It to the Limit. That's probably the most famous song not sung by one of the big four, two. one of the other big four that I mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, Wasted Time 
Don Henley wrote about the end of a relationship he had. Um, it's kind of a reflection, you know, he's, he's talking about a woman who can't, one of the first lines of the song is you don't care much for a stranger's touch, but you can't hold your man. The lyrics are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you know, the, the final line of the song is you can get on with your search baby and I can get on with mine. Maybe someday we will find that it wasn't really wasted time. So it's, you know, you think in the, at the end, when, when you first end a relationship, you think that it was, it was, all it was was wasted time. And, you know, the more you reflect on it, the more you hopefully realize that even if it ended, what you got out of it was still worth it. The other thing that draws me in, uh, I could listen to Don Henley sing the phone book. And when he, on the record, it's really good. But when they play it live and it's Don Henley standing out there and he's got a spotlight on him and there's almost no music. I mean, he's singing acapella half the time. It just gives it that much more feeling. You get that much more heart out of it. But the lyrics are beautiful. The The performance of it is beautiful. And it is my favorite song. So I had to include it. So would you like to go to your first song on here, Tim? Sure. So my first one that I chose... And again, it's not in any particular order, but like Sabrina said, this is from my favorite singer. So I'm putting it at the top and talking about it first. Uh, it is uh, S-I-N from Ozzy Osbourne. So S-I-N, most people, it, that's what it's listed as on the album. Oddly enough, it's been on listed. On Spotify, it is listed as Won't Be Coming Home. Yeah, which is weird because none of the other stuff that ever came out before then called it that. Now all of a sudden, that's the the official name for it is won't be coming home parentheses S I N. And he never says that line at any, any point. point. No. no. So, and with S I N, everybody's always interpreted at the mean shadows in the night, which is said several times on in the <clears> song. <throat> uh, I think if I remember right in demo, the demo of S I N, there is a earlier set of lyrics mm. that actually you can kind of hear in the opening guitar from Zach Wilde that originally there were lyrics there by Ozzy and he says you won't be coming home tonight and then the, the main swing of the song kicks in and so that's why I think they call it that now which is interesting because you know again it was never called that and then all of a sudden Spotify comes along and now it's called that again but anyway, uh, the main reason why I like this song is, well, in case you and nobody knows, Ozzy Osbourne, original lead singer for Black Sabbath, uh, considered the godfather of heavy metal. Uh, the he's the fucking prince of darkness, Tim. That's right, the motherfucking prince of darkness. He in this album, it's from No More Tears from '91. That's my favorite Ozzy album. It's it's most people's favorite Ozzy album. And I think it's because of the influence of Zach Wilde as guitarist, which Zach Wilde's a fun guy. That is fair. I do really like and, Zach Wilde. So. Uh, he, he's a very Southern rock-influenced guitarist, and I think that bled into a lot of the songs to give it that Southern guitar twang that I think really kind of added this more fun... <laughs> I think would be a great, easy way to say it. Well, no more tears has like a bunch of like classic hits. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's got 
the title track, which is, mm. you know, one of the few seven minute long songs I'll actually sit down and listen to. Uh-huh. It's got Road to Nowhere, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got Mama, I'm Coming Home, which mm-hmm. is the big one. It's and got Desire. It's, it's got I Don't Want to Change the World. It's every Almost every song on No More Tears became a single. Oh, it, absolutely. It's like half the album or over half the album is a single. Is, are singles. Right. And I, if I remember right, S.I.N. might have been the B-side to No More Tears, if I remember right, uh, when it was released as a single. So... But what kind of sets S.I.N. separate from the rest of the album, I like it because it's got, it's a fast tempo song. It keeps moving. It's got Hellraiser on it, too. Yes. How about that? And it is a very fun song to sing along to. It is. It's got a lot of, it shows off Ozzy's vocal range, and it's a really fun song to sing along to. The lyrics are basically... Kind of standard for Ozzy. Uh, he's always got a song singing about voices in your head. It's because Ozzy's got a lot of voices going on in his head. Well, yeah, you know, that's what happens when you take <clears throat> all those drugs. Right. Um, and that's essentially kind of what he always says is that the voices in his head are the ones telling him to do stuff or tell him that take to, it's his addictions kind of driving him. So that's kind of what the song's about. But it's a really fun song. I can see him, I can hear him. I got a nightmare from a fantasy. Will the voices ever set me free? I saw it happening like deja vu. They tried to tell me, but they couldn't get through. It's a lot of stuff like that, but it's such a up-tempo song, even though it's talking about hearing voices in your head. So it's that's why I really like this song. What's your next one, Sabrina? My next song on my list is uh, my favorite song by uh, my new favorite band. Uh, so after, uh, Neil Peart died, uh, in January, Tim and I were just kind of, we watched, uh, Time Stands Still, which I'd gotten you the documentary of it for Christmas, Mm -hmm. uh, which Time Stands Still is the, essentially the documentary behind Russia's final tour, R40. Um, so we kind of sat down and watched it. And then once we were done watching it, we were just kind of sitting on the couch one night and Tim started playing me just random songs. I had known Rush. I mean, I knew, you know, a lot of the big songs, Working Man, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Spirit of Radio, all of those. Um, And you played me, I don't know, maybe four or five songs. And that kind of catalysted me uh, over the, over the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, But my next song is Bravado by Rush. Um, which is off of Roll the Bones, mm. which came out the year I was born. Which is 91. No, 91. Um, the thing about... So Rush, if anybody that doesn't know, Rush was founded in the late 60s. Uh, but their first album wasn't released until 74. Um, th- it was a three-piece band that sounded like the world's smallest symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Getty Lee, who played... Uh, bass and keyboards and he sang and he played bass pedals with his feet and all of this while he was singing all the lyrics. You had Alex Lifeson who played guitar and some other things every once in a while, but his big thing was is that he was a guitar player. Uh, and then you had Neil Peart who most people consider to be the greatest drummer that's ever 
lived. And it's and he's never listed in the back as drums. He's listed as percussion. That's because he has like 18 <laughs> percussion instruments surrounding his drum kit. Yes. It is a massive assembly of every type of percussion equipment you can think of. Yes. And he also wrote uh, roughly 95% of the lyrics for the band. Yes. Uh, in the early years, but the you other... you forgot, babe, that Getty is Snowdog. Or no, he's Bytor. He's Bytor. Getty is Bytor. Alex Lifeson is Snowdog on the back of Fly By Night. Yes. Um, but he wrote about, I'd say about 95% of the lyrics. In some of the earlier albums in the 70s, the other band members contributed some lyrics. But once, uh, I'd say around the time of Permanent Waves and onward... I don't think any of them actually wrote lyrics after that. So I, I can't think of any after the last one I can think of is 2112, but because I think Getty wrote tears on that one. He also wrote, uh, and Alex wrote lessons. Ah, that's it. Okay. But Getty Lee also wrote Cinderella man, which is on a farewell to Kings. Uh, okay. Um, but I digress. Uh, so Rush was kind of the world's largest cult band. And the running joke was that they never had any female fans. It was all dudes. <laughs> Speaking of dudes, your father. Yes. Rush is his favorite band, mm -hmm. which absolutely fits. Yes. That's why uh, Working Man is his. Is his theme song. Yes. According uh, I, to you. I, I believe that Working Man completely encapsulates my father. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, a lot of people really like early Rush, mm -hmm. and then they kind of fall off. I am more of a, I like the 80s and the early 90s Rush. Um, and then I really like Snakes and Arrows. But you are more, you're you're one of those people that really likes the stuff from the 70s, the more proggy stuff from the 70s, mm -hmm. and then the later stuff. Right. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that if you, uh, so the album that Bravado is on is Roll the Bones. And a lot of people have problems with that album because I think they can't get over the title track. Yes. Right. And, and it, the rap, the, the 32nd rap in the middle of that song mm -hmm. just throws people off the rest of the album. But if you I can't agree. get past that 32nd rap, you are really missing out on a really good album. Yeah. And even with Roller Bones, the song, if you can get past that 32nd rap in the middle, it's a good song. It is. <laughs> um, I mean, if you can't get past that, I mean, you're missing out on Roll the Bones has Dreamline. Mm, that's a good one. It's got Bravado, uh, Face Up. It's mm -hmm. got Where My Where's My Thing Part Four Gangster of Boats trilogy, which is the instrumental the, on that album. An entirely awesome trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the Big Wheel, which I really like. It's got it's Hearsay. Yeah, that's good. Hearsay is a really good song about mm -hmm. the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Um, Ghost of a Chance is probably the other big one off of this album. I know they play that lot. They used to play that live a lot. Um, but Bravado, for me, is probably the closest Rush ever got to a love song. I would agree with that. I mean, it is about it is about love. Mm -hmm. it, is, it, it doesn't matter what kind of love. It doesn't necessarily have to be romantic love with your partner. It's just about love in general. Just loving people in general. So there's even that lyric in the middle of it, isn't there? Yeah. About walking in, down in the houses or something. No, that's Presto. Oh, I'm thinking of Presto. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the phrase that is repeated mm -hmm. throughout this whole song is, uh, we will pay the price, but we will not count the cost, which, you know, if you love somebody, it doesn't matter what it costs, you're still going to do it for them. Mm -hmm. 
the other thing is if the music stops, there's only the sound of the rain, all the hope and the glory, all the sacrifice in vain. And if love remains, though everything is lost, we will pay the price, but we will not count the cost. <laughs> this is just, this is a pick-me-up song. This is a song, if I'm feeling down, I will sit down and listen to it. It's it's a beautifully written song. It's, it's a beautifully performed song. And this is actually one of the few times, uh, I am not a huge fan of live albums. I don't like live music. But the version of this song from R30 is probably my favorite version of the song. It's got an extended, it's got an extended so, instrumental I, at the end, mm -hmm. which is really good. But just the way Getty sings the song. Well, and Rush always strived in their live shows to make the song sound just as good as it was on the album. Yes. Or even better. Yeah. And in I a lot of cases, a lot of their live songs are better than the albums. I prefer the live version of Resist, the live acoustic oh, version 100%. that they do, is so much better than the weird version of it on the album. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree. Um, I like the live version of Animate better. I would agree with that, too. I do really like the live version of Animate. In some regards, their live versions are, are better. They just really are. Um, which is weird for me to say, because I am very much a studio version kind of person, but I would agree with that. But Bravado, like I said, it's just a song that if I've had a bad day, I get in my car and I put it on. And on my drive home from work, that is what I listen to. And it just, it kind of just makes me feel better. So uh, what is your next song? Uh, the next one I have is what some people would consider strange, since I said my favorite singer was Ozzy. Uh, one of my other favorite singers uh, is Ronnie James Dio. I I call bullshit on that. I I you can't you can't have both, but whatever. Say so I think they can live together in harmony. Both Ozzy and Dio Sabbath can uh, be together who, as one. You know who can't live together? He's Ronnie like, James Dio and Vivian Campbell. Well, <laughs> yes, because they absolutely hated each other. Dio and Vivian Campbell absolutely hated each other, and which is odd since. You know, Holy Diver, which was Dio's first album after leaving Black Sabbath. He created his own band after he left. Probably the only Dio album I actually like. And it back in 1983, and it was Dio, uh, Vivian Campbell on guitars, Jimmy Bain on bass, and Vinnie Apice on drums. Uh, Jimmy Bain was from New Dio from Rainbow, and Vinnie Apice was the drummer that replaced Bill Ward in Sabbath uh, after he left. So Dio brought all these people together and then they made Holy Diver and the song off of it that I love the best is Straight Through the Heart. And a lot of a lot of the songs on Holy Diver and especially Straight Through the Heart is Dio kind of trying to direct his anger that he had on leaving Black Sabbath because he felt betrayed from it. And there's there's a bunch of different stories on whether he was fired or whether he quit. If you if you ask Tony Iommi, he says Dio quit. If you ask Dio, he says I got fired. And there's when it, when it comes down to the Aussie, whether he got fired or quit, mm -hmm. I would say he got fired. Oh, I 100 percent agree. I actually might lean more towards Dio quitting. It's he seems like he he. It was my understanding they got in a fight over the mixing of the live album. Mm -hmm that was being released for Sabbath. But 
Holy, and sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. Uh, so he but holy diver to me seems not just his anger of being fired from Black Sabbath or mm -hmm. quitting from Black Sabbath or whatever. Mm -hmm. Rainbow in the dark to me kind of seems like a, a notch towards uh, his time at Rainbow. Yes, Richie Blackmore. Yeah, no, I can see that because that's the reason why he left Rainbow. Is Rainbow was becoming more pop friendly, and I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my favorite and only Rainbow song that I actually like is uh, <clears throat> uh, Since You've Been Gone, which is the album after deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except, is Man of the Silver Mountain, that's Rainbow, right? Yes. Yes. Man of the Silver Mountain. I do like that song. Yes. I think it's either, yes, it's Rainbow. Okay. I do like that song. Yep. That's a good one. So that this song, it sounds like it's a, so when you listen to the lyrics of it, it sounds like it's a bad breakup or something like that, but really it's about being taken advantage of it. It's like, it is Dio just taking a swing at his former members of Black Sabbath because he got kicked out of the band. And so you get things like, no one ever told me life was kind. I guess I'd never heard it all. Never tell a secret with your eyes because the eyes will let you down. Tell a little truth with many lies. It's the only way I've found. So it's a lot of bickering. A lot of, I had to be harder because of what happened to me. I should have been harder because I got taken advantage of. Here it comes again, straight through the heart. And it, when you hear this song, you, the drums by Vinny Opposite are just pounding in the background. Just... You can tell like they were putting a hundred percent into this song when they were making it. And then, like you said, Vivian Campbell's guitar solo is really good in it. And Vivian Campbell and Dio went on to absolutely hate each other's guts later on. Dio passed away in 2010, if I remember correctly. I right. And Vivian Campbell now has a band called Last in Line, which is everybody from Dio except for Dio since he's dead now. And they started off as a cover band where they would just play the albums that Vivian Campbell was the guitarist on of Dio. And now they're actually releasing original music under that name. I just think like Ronnie James Dio seems like a really difficult person to work with. I don't know, but I he, mean, I feel, I feel like he's kind of like Tony Iommi. Everything had to be his way. Oh yeah. He's no control freak. Yes. Probably. I think so. so. It had to be difficult. To be a perfectionist. Yeah. Oh, it, yes. And usually if you're a perfectionist, you're a control freak on top of it. So it would make sense. So yeah. So that's my second song. Okay. Uh, so my next song is um, the only song from this band. So I have in high school, I used to really love the who Um. The more I, the older I've gotten and the more just like shitty human beings they seem to be, the less I kind of like them. Although I still really like their 70s stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Roger Daltrey seems to be a, he's the British equivalent of a right wing uh, conservatives, whatever. He's a big jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't, Pete Townsend just says things in the, news media just pisses me off just <laughs> all the time but anyway um that doesn't take away from the fact that i that the who's i spent a lot of time with the who in high school um i kind of debated on what to put here 
I considered Bob O'Reilly, which, um, you know, don't Every, cry, don't cry, don't raise your eye. It's only teenage wasteland. Yeah, it, everybody always mistakenly calls it teenage, teenage wasteland. wasteland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I consider putting that here, but ultimately, where I landed, I picked Love Rain Over Me, um, which is from Quadrophenia, which was released in 1973. Uh, Quadrophenia is the second concept album that the Who did. The first one is obviously Tommy. For me, I mean, the lyrics are, are really good. Uh, in the in the context of the song, in the context of the album, the, the main character is having a, a, a life crisis. He's, he's breaking down and he finds solace he's standing in the rain and he finds clarity standing in the pouring rain. Mm. So that's kind of where he's getting at it. For me, though, the performance of this song is really what kind of draws me to it. Roger Daltrey performing this song is just incredible. I mean, towards the end of the song, when when he's like screaming the the love rain over me, mm-hmm. you can just feel it. Like it's a feeling you get when you listen to this song. Um, but you know, it's it's got a really nice piano intro too. Um, but only love can make it rain the way the beach is kissed by the sea. Only love can make it rain like the sweater of lo- like the sweater of lovers laying in the field. Um. It's not a very long song, um, but it is just, like I said, just absolutely gorgeous to listen to. It's a, it's another song, if I'm having a bad day, you know, put it on. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the, the whole idea behind this song is that the main character is having a crisis. So, and he's finding solace in this. So when I'm having a bad day, I can put it on and I can find solace in it as well. It's one of the only songs from Quadrophenia that the Who usually play live. And the live version of it is, is, you know, just as moving, if not more moving than the, than the studio version. But, um, one of the bands that I picked for later mm-hmm. actually covered Love Rain Oh Me. Oh. And I know you don't generally, as a general rule, you usually don't care for covers. I do not. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job covering it. So, I'll talk about that band here in a little bit. There you go. What's your next song? Uh, so I promise this is the last time I'm going from this well, which is uh, Sabbath inspired <laughs> uh, bands, which this time it actually is Black Sabbath. Uh, so because since I've been talking about Ozzy and then Dio, and they're all in that same over of being from Sabbath. Uh, I'll actually pick Black Sabbath this time. So number three, I would pick Snowblind from Black Sabbath, which is off of volume four, which is from 71. So fun fact about volume four before you get okay. into it. Uh, <laughs> when I was younger and I got into collecting vinyl, uh, my grandparents gave me all of their old vinyls, which was, you know, a lot of it was like stuff I wouldn't listen to, but I still have them because they have sentimental value for me. But I mean, it was like a lot of Beatles that I liked. Um, a lot of stuff that was my uncle's, which, you know, was like Queen and Bob Seger. Uh, one of the albums that I had was Black Sabbath 4, but it was not in a Black Sabbath 4 case. It was in a Bachman Turner Overdrive case, and I still have that. <laughs> so... But Volume 4 was called Volume 4 because the record label refused to call it what they wanted to call it, which was Snowblind. 
they wanted to call it, they wanted to name it after the song, but the record label says, we don't want a song about cocaine being the name of your album. So they just went with the generic volume four. And that's why it's named that. Another band I'm going to get to here in a little bit has a song called Snowblind that's about essentially the exact same thing. Yeah, funny that. Yeah. It was almost like it's a normal term for this. Yeah. But uh, for those that don't know, the original Black Sabbath was Ozzy Osbourne, Geezer Butler on the bass, Tony Iommi on guitars, and Bill Ward on the drums. Um, I still stand by my comment that the most underrated member of Black Sabbath is Geezer Butler. Oh, 100%. Especially because his well, one he was the lyricist, but he has some hell of a good bassline. Oh yeah, he some crazy basslines on there. Especially in uh, is it NIB? Yes, yeah. that he has the has the bass solo the at the beginning of it yeah. before it goes into the actual song. Yes, yep. Geezer, well, they all did a lot of drugs, and a lot of their songs are about doing drugs. Like Sweet Leaf is obviously about marijuana. Uh, it even has a guy coughing at the beginning because he's toked it wrong or whatever and so with snowblind the the point of that song was it's supposed to be the high and lows of cocaine usage so it starts off you're getting ready to take it you take it then you feel good with that euphoria for a little bit then it goes back into it and then there's the fast part in the middle of it which is supposed to be the paranoia and everything setting in on you there uh so it's a really good song. It has a it has movements in it, which I like it when songs have different movements in it. it. The tempo changes, the key changes, and things like that. So it starts off at the beginning. What you get and what you see, things don't come easily. Feeling happy in my vein, icicles within my brain. And the slower parts slow down my eyes are blind but i can see the snowflakes glisten on the trees so it it's not like these lyrics are like deep or anything like that it's it's obvious what they're talking about here but a lot of their songs were not very like ob they weren't very high concept songs they they a lot of their songs were just like face value. And that's why I always like it when they're like, oh, they're, they're hiding the devil in it. No, Sabbath and Ozzy and everybody like that was always pretty straightforward with their messaging in their songs. So if they were talking about the devil, they were talking about the devil. NIB, Black Sabbath, those are devil's devil songs. Right. The devil's in the song. Right. And Black Sabbath is a very interesting, like you have songs where they just write songs about drugs and then you have songs like War Pigs, which yes. is just one of the Best social commentaries yes. for the mm -hmm. poor and working class, especially right. in England in the 1970s. Right. That you were just simply fodder. You were simply cannon fodder. You were just raised up to be sent to war. So what are you fighting for? Right. And uh, with, and then when you get to the fast part, when it's, and that's the one thing, even though these are obvious songs, you can tell from the lyrics exactly what they're talking about. You don't have to have much pretense with what they're talking about. You get to the fast part and you can tell, I mean, that it's, that that's what they're, that you're moving from the euphoria to the paranoia. Mm -hmm. Don't you think I know what I'm doing? Don't tell me that I'm, what I'm doing is wrong. You're the one that's really a loser. This is where I feel I belong. Like it's, you are paranoid. You're you think everybody's watching you. You think 
people are judging you. It, so right there in the fast part, where it's just more frantic and extreme, the, the lyrics changed right along with it. So even though these are obvious topics and the and the lyrics are not the deepest lyrics in the world, they can still paint a story that gets you moving, that moves you as a person. Mm-hmm. Because even if you don't do drugs, I've never done cocaine. But I could feel that sometimes. I could feel paranoid about people thinking everything I did is wrong. So I could get behind that. So that's, and that's really why I really enjoy Sabbath. In, oh, on top of the lyrics, Sabbath is more about instrumentation, kind of like with Rush too. Well, Rush, Rush, Rush. Rush is very heavy, heavy. about the, about the musicianship, the instrumentation. Yes. yes. But, but the difference between Sabbath and Rush, when it came to the lyrics, is that Neil did put a lot of work into his lyrics. He did. He, um, he made sure there was meaning after meaning after meaning underneath each of the lyrics that he wrote. Right. Sabbath, not so much, but you could still, con- but Geezer still put the effort into conveying the story. Right. Even and- though his story is not as deep. Black Sabbath is more about creating an atmosphere Correct. with their lyrics. Oh, 100%. Rush, you have, you know, the 70s was very um, about mythology mm-hmm. and books and all of it, philosophy. Mm-hmm. The 80s is a lot of um, <clears throat> social commentary mm-hmm. about, you know, mostly about the Cold War. Mm-hmm. The 90s is just even deeper into that social commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you know, the two, and then the two thousands is more about where aging. they are in their life, aging. Yes, yeah, about looking back. But but Black Sabbath is very much creating an atmosphere right. with their lyrics. Well, and that's what they've always said is that the reason why they were named Black Sabbath is because there's a Hammer horror film called Black, Black Sabbath, Sabbath with Vincent Price. There is. It's actually not a bad movie. No, it's actually pretty good. And uh, they wanted. They said we want to be a horror movie, but for music. And so the atmosphere they're trying to convey is, you're right. They wanted it to be this kind of spooky thing. And with their first song, Black Sabbath, about scary black figures sitting in the corner of your room, which Geezer got the idea for that song, the lyrics for that, after a bad trip. <laughs> and Fair. I think that's why he said he never did acid again after that. It was because Fair. of that trip. <laughs> and uh, so they put all this together and made this kind of like horror movie sounding genre, mm-hmm. which because ever since then metal is the go-to for horror, horror movies. movies. Even though Mr. Sandman, the happy little jingle has been like the quintessential oh, horror movie right. song, even though it was in Halloween, it's yeah. been like every other slasher movie you can think of too. Yeah. So but yeah, so that's that's my next choice. So okay. what's the next one you got? So the fourth one on my list here is uh, In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. So I am kind of weird. Uh, I prefer like Phil Collins in Genesis. I like Genesis with Phil Collins as the lead more than I liked when Peter Gabriel was in Genesis. But um, Solo wise i like peter gabriel solo stuff way more than i like phil collins solo stuff um so in your eyes is from the album so which was released in 1984 1987 i can't read 
Um, it's just a beautiful song. I mean, you know, it's it's about the hardships of of love, but how that's all worth it in the end. Um, this was from uh, the most people know this song from uh, "Say Anything." So the song that's playing out of the, the boombox box. when he mm -hmm. lifts it up. One of my favorite gags from South Park is when they're telling Randy, or not Randy, Stan. Stan Randy's telling Stan to go. God, I think if I remember right. It so was. Stan. Uh, they tell him to go stand outside of Wendy's house with a boombox playing a Peter Gabriel song. And so he's standing out there and he plays Shock the Monkey instead. Well, that's because that's your favorite <laughs> Peter Gabriel song. <laughs> but no matter how you see yourself, how does the, the ones you love see you? Um, you know, I looked at the time, I looked at these times with you to keep me awake and alive. There is a cover version of this song from the 90s, I think, mm -hmm. that for the longest time I liked better. Oh. It was an acoustic version. I don't remember who sang it, um, but it was an acoustic version. It was just a guy and a guitar, and I really liked that cover version of it. Mm -hmm. The more I got kind of more into Peter Gabriel, though, I really like the his version. Um, but... I would just say, I mean, like I said, I I apparently like love songs is what I've learned from making this list. Um, but I, it's got to spark something in me. You are more of a music person. Mm -hmm. You like you like rhythm. You like the way things sound. You like mm -hmm. melody. I like those things, but my thing is lyrics. The lyrics have to speak to me in order for me to like a song, mm -hmm. usually. Um I like the way this is performed and I like the way when he, I like this song live too. I think it's performed really well. It's just, it's a feel good song. It just always makes me feel good when I listen to it. So that's why I picked this one. That and I listen to it a lot. So I know that when we're in the car, it's, when a Peter Gabriel comes on from your playlist, it is either that or it is Sledgehammer. I do really like Sledgehammer, which is about doing it. So. <laughs> What? No. no. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. I do really like Sledgehammer. <laughs> Shock the Monkey's okay. I like Salisbury Hill, too. So I just... I like, just... I, my, I like Shock the Monkey just because it's such a weird name for a song, and it's a it's weird, weird sounding song. song. <laughs> I... But yes. Yeah, it's either it's either In Your Eyes or Sledgehammer or something. <laughs> Both of which are about love, just different kinds of love. Yeah. So there. Hmm. Hmm. What is your next song? So the next one I have kind of goes back to where we were talking about where metal is used a lot in horror because Sabbath said, we want to be the horror movie version of music. This band kind of takes that to the extreme. You think? And that is Ghost. They've really gotten more mainstream recently and a lot of people are like, oh, Ghost isn't metal. Whatever. I I believe that they're metal. Now, a lot of people put them into the Swedish death metal genre. I don't get that. Or subgenre, I guess it would be proper. Yes, babe? Pot taken or marriage, I don't think Ghost is metal. And I think they're metal. I just don't think they're death metal. That They get lumped into a lot. 
Like we watched uh, that multi part documentary series, Metal Evolution. Oh my god, they had some weird choices. It, yeah, and when they went through the subgenres, and or I guess metal would be a subgenre. It'd be a subgenre of rock, wouldn't it? Or I don't, I don't know. No, I never it, get the word it right. did, it did metal, and then everything down from that. Yeah, and they picked, they made some really weird, weird choices. choices. Yes, they and, put they put Ghost in death metal. Yeah, they put. I understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. But they put Rush in prog metal, and Rush is not a metal band. No, and I understand that that's because they are they're one of the godfathers of, of prog, prog metal. rock. Yes, mm-hmm. which leads to prog metal. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have put them on the list. I also would not have put Coheed and Cambria in the prog metal uh, right. list because I do not think Coheed and Cambria is a metal band. I would agree with that. They are metalcore at times, it's but fun. in their early stuff, they yes. Were. But I don't think I don't think they're metal. No, and we'll get to that later. But Ghost, I don't think is a death metal band. They're too they because the thing is, is a lot of death metal bands and a lot of bands like that are super serious about being who they. And a lot of metal fans are overly take this stuff way too seriously when they when they label things. And that's what gets them all in a fight over who and what is considered metal. Because they don't because this band's true metal or this band's true metal or. But I but I wonder if. You and other people that consider ghost metal consider right. it because of the whole imagery. Yes, and I and I think that kind of leans into part of it. For those of you that don't know, ghost, ghost is a band that is set up. Go ahead, babe, because you the, have the perfect. Description. The way I explain it is that ghost is a Swedish band that uh, is a satanic cult led by the anti pope named Papa Emeritus. There you go, and that's essentially it. They take a lot of the. Catholic iconography and re and turn it into We're a talking, satanic cult. I was talking about ghosts. It's making my Nona roll over in her grave. I don't know. <laughs> so the one, so the song I picked from Ghost is Square Hammer. It's one of their biggest songs. It's probably my favorite. Song. It was their closer on their last tour. Uh, and it is incredible when they play it. Oh, live. when it's live, it is great. Like they got pyrotechnics going off when it's going on and everything. It's a great song live. And so it was from the it was from Pope Star, which came out in 2016, which was the It's an EP. It's an it's the EP after Meliora, which was Papa Emeritus the third. That was the It's my favorite Papa. Yes. And uh so you have Papa Emeritus, who's the anti-pope and the leader of the band. And then you have the Nameless Ghouls, who are the backup band. And they all wear masks covering their faces uh, so that essentially they're all session musicians and they can be changed out. And they're all interchangeable. And one of them, the drummers, they grow. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was from Inf- Infestisium, if I remember. If no, I'm it's one of the EPs. So it's oh, either if, if it's, you have if, ghosts it's, or Pope Star. You're right. It's if you have ghosts, which is the second. It's Papa Two that was in it. Yes, but I think they have a. I think he gets a lot of like famous guest musicians that just want to be nameless fools. Yeah, they don't want everybody to know that they're there. Right. And so that's part of the fun of it is that they're in because, the, like I was saying death metal bands take themselves super seriously. Ghost does not take anything, any shit it does. Ghost does not take itself seriously. Everything is tongue firmly placed into cheek. And that's part of the fun. Because nine times out of 10, their songs 
are basically innuendo for doing it and stuff like that. There's a they released a, a seven inch not too long ago called Seven Inches of Satanic Panic, and both songs on it are about doing it. Are doing it. One about doing it in the butt, and the other one about doing it, and it literally has the lyric, if you choose to run away with me, I will tickle you internally. Yep. So this is not a band to be taken uh, seriously. And then, uh, it's in the other song on that album, one of the lines is, uh, it's the guy you want to do, and luckily he wants to do you too. Yes. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, it is. It is not a band to be taken... They have a song called Monstrous Clock. Yes. It is not a band that takes itself seriously. And on top of it has draped the seriousness of religious iconography if you, for that, that... Basically to show the absurdities of organized religion. Not just of organized religion, but the absurdities of the Swedish death metal and the Norwegian yeah. death... The, the Scandinavian death, death metal, metal scene. scene. Yes. How 100%. seriously they take themselves is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And, and if you really ever want to see how not serious Ghost is, watch the uh, the little uh, shorts they put on YouTube. Uh -huh. That will tell you how unseriously they take themselves. Oh, 100%. And so Ghost, for the longest time, nobody knew who they were. Because of the masks and the and the makeup and stuff like that, there were there were rumors. Yes. Rumors, though. I think a lot of people kind of figured that the lead singer was Tobias Forge, but it was confirmed with the lawsuit from a bunch of former bandmates that were wanting after royalties. they made after they made it big and uh, with Meliora, they wanted royalties. Yes, because Meliora, they got a they got a Grammy for Cerise. Yes, and but they signed. But the problem was, was that they signed, signed a contract. contract that mm -hmm. stated that they were the backup band. Yeah, they were session musicians. Yes, they they could be interchangeable, and so then everybody found out it was Tobias Forge from that. Right. Uh, I know he kind of said, "I don't know if the band can go on because the whole point of this band was that nobody knew who we were." And, and then he released it, and then they released uh, Prequel, Prequel, which is such a good album. Yes, and. A lot of, but it's still a lot of fun, e even though because even though you know it's Tobias Forge, it's still fun. And and most of their fans, it still works. Most fans will not. I mean, they they, they you don't mention his name. Yes, yeah. He's still the Papa, or he's still the Cardinal. You, know, you fan don't sites mention and his fan name. Groups and stuff like that. It's actually verboten to mention Tobias Forge's name. You call him either the master or the creator or. The or, or the maestro or something like that, unless you're specifically talking about a papa or a cardinal, because they all have different, they all have different characters, they're different characters. But with Pope Sar and with Square Hammer, specifically from interviews that I've seen, Tobias Forge said, I want an anthemic song. I want an opener. I want a closer. This is a song that can, that will just get people up in their seats. And he compared it to, I don't is yes. it I Don't Know? Yes, I Don't Know by Ozzy. Ozzy. Which is the opener off of Blizzard of Oz. Yes. And it is, and it is a really, uh, I Don't Know is an ass kicker of a song to open up with, especially on Ozzy's first album after he left Wait, the Sabbath. That's a, it's his opener at a lot of concerts too, if I yes, remember correctly. Yes, it was, it was his opener on a lot of his, and I can't remember, did he play? He played it. I don't remember if it was the opener when we saw it. Yeah. But I don't know was played at the when we saw him on the No More Tears Volume Two tour. No more tours. Yes, the No More Tours Volume Two. two. Yes, not No More Tears. But yeah, um, he was actually really good. Yeah, Ozzy was very good live, 
and and Ghost is really good live. Although Ghost we we saw them, we saw them twice live. The first time was significantly better. We saw them on the Rats on the Road tour. Mm -hmm. uh, that one was at a place called Express Live in Columbus, Ohio, where it's a medium level venue. We were inside. It was just Ghost, so they About had three thousand people. Yeah, and it was. We were like six or seven rows from the from stage. The, yes, and we were down in the, in the pit, pit, and it was general admission only, and it was an amazing show. Hell of a choice for your first concert. Wasn't oh, I know, it? right? Amazing show. And then we went and seen them later when they were coming back around on their third a, leg a, of the tour. A pale torn named death. Yeah. Or it was third, the last leg of a pale torn named death. Yes. And they, it was called the ultimate tour named death. Yes. And we saw them in Huntington, West Virginia. And they were still good, but it was not as good. I, because the, the venue was bigger. Because by that point, Prequel exploded. And they became this big mainstream, they hit the mainstream. And I didn't think it worked as well. But now, pre I think the venue was too big. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that we actually had seats and were off to the side and we weren't mm -hmm. in the pit kind of took away from it. Uh, I think the fact that their opener was the, was uh, nothing more, nothing more with their bro bra lead singer who didn't have a shirt or shoes on, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Uh, and they played their one good song as their the, opener. Yeah, the and, first song was the only good song on that whole goddamn album. Yeah, and yeah. then they played shit for seven more songs, and I was yeah, bored. Because there's only one good song on Nothing More's album. Yes. And let's go to war. And it is a great song. Oh, yeah. Go to war is a really good great song. Great song. Yeah. Nothing else on that album is any good. And then they did a cover of something. And they're doing this weird acrobatic shit on the stage. And, and the dude doesn't and, have a shirt on, and he doesn't have you shoes. Could, and you he could has tell that long nothing red more. curly hair. It was just you could tell that they were put on that they were put on that show yeah. as the opener because the because yeah. the record label they said did you got to have they an opener did not mix well no because their music did not connect very well that old lady in front of us though she was she, digging her well she was also before. trying to take the clothes off of the dude that she was with <laughs> the whole time so and, but, they, and that was weird because they were like she was strong oh she was super drunk but they were like, what, 50, 60s? Yeah, they were, oh, God, They yes. did not look like metal people. No, they were there to see nothing more. She was in heaven. Yes. She was trying to take the dude's clothes she, off half the time. She she looked like she was at a church revival because oh. she kept having her hand, Hands her up. one hand in the air the entire show while not, nothing more was playing. Yep. And then they left. They, yeah, after they nothing more left. Was there, they left. Which was fine because that gave us a better view. You, but uh, yeah, of ghosts. They but. left and didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't have paid that kind of price to see nothing more for play their seven songs. No. But for their 35 minute set. Yeah. So I wouldn't either. But yeah, so this song, if you're gonna play a song to get people to say this is ghost, Square Hammer's the song to play. It's it encapsulates their entire thing. Are you on the square? Are, are you on the level? Are you ready to stand right here, right now, before the devil? It's, it is, it, it's this good, catchy, rhythmic song that you can dance to, you can sing to, you can get into. Yep. And it is a hell of an opener. It's a hell of a closer. And the crowd goes, goes insane wild. for this song. So that's my number four, is Square Hammer by Ghost. Okay. My next one mm -hmm. is uh, 
a band that I kind of talked a little bit about earlier when I said they had a song called Snowblind, but that's not the song I picked. Mm-hmm. Um, another band that kind of really hit me when I was in high school, similar to The Who, was Styx. And I kind of debated, because I actually, for the longest time, had a different song here on this list. Um, I was originally going to go with The Best of Times, but, you know, I kind of thought another love song and people would get bored of listening to uh, my list of songs here. <laughs> um, so instead, I opted for Show Me the Way. Uh, Show Me the Way is from Edge of the Century, uh, which is the album they released in the early 90s. I think it was 1991. Um, either 90 or 91. It is... They had a different guitar player. Uh, it actually doesn't have Tommy Shaw on it. Hmm. He was still with Damn Yankees with fucking Ted Nugent. <laughs> um, now, show me the way. I mean, Dennis DeYoung, who's the singer, who's the lead singer of Sticks, um, who is the person that wrote this song, is a uh, practicing Roman Catholic. So, and he wrote the song for his son, who was kind of, who was, I think, you know, maybe 10 or 11, kind of feeling like he was lost, kind of, you know, wondering this, this world that we were in in the early 90s. Um, especially, you know, with, during this time, you had the Gulf War, you know, I mean, I don't know what it's like being a, a young boy trying to find my way, but I know what it's like to be a a teenager kind of lost in this whole vast expanse of, of the world we live in. And, and that was the big thing. So this was, this was a big song, I think because of the Gulf war, because of, of the, uh, the implications there's actually, it's not easy to find. I used to have it. I don't know if I still do. Um, there is a version of this song that cuts in um, like sound clips from from the Gulf War um, that was played a lot at that time. Um, like I said, you can still find it. It's not the easiest to find, uh, but it is really good. Um, it's the last top 10 hit Sticks has had. Um, there's a video for it. The video is okay. It's not great. Um, what I like about this song though, even though, you know, Dennis DeYoung was, is Catholic. I mean, the first line of the song is every night I say a prayer in the hopes that there's heaven. You can also interpret it as it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be religious. It you, you don't necessarily have to find religious guidance. It's just trying to find the way out of whatever rut you're in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but every day I'm more confused as the saints turn into sinners. I mean, people that you look up to, you know, you find out they're not, they're not perfect. They're not who you think they are. Um, and that is always, that's never an easy thing to go through. It's, it's a pseudo hymn. Like you, you know, he's writing it to his son. He's singing it to his son, but really you can look at it as he's it's for anybody that's, that feels like they're lost. 
and as a teenager, I was a very angsty uh, emo kid teenager. So I needed a lot of guidance because I was uh, mouthy and uh, just a little asshole. Headstrong is a nice way of putting it. I was mouthy. <laughs> I was mouthy. My poor mother. Um, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, another fun fact. Uh, since we mentioned dad's favorite band is Rush, yes. which he is... Favorite songs are The Trees and... Okay, so fun fact about that, <laughs> since we're going to talk about it. When we went down, we were down talking to his parents one time, and Tim had mentioned that we had been listening to a lot of Rush, and I, I was getting into it. His dad, no shit, looked at me and goes, do you like The Trees? <laughs> and his mother chimes in and goes, that's his favorite song. <laughs> so, because we mentioned his other favorite Rush song, which is Passage to Bangkok. Yes. And... But when we, but with sticks, he also really likes sticks. And but he likes he likes proggy sticks. He yes. likes early sticks. Yes, he his favorite stick song is "Fooling Yourself," or one of his favorite stick songs is "Fooling Yourself." The angry young man. Yep, it's and, a good one. Um, and I just remember that one because I remember sitting in the car with Dad while the radio is playing, and "Fooling Yourself" came on, and the synth part that opens the song, he's doing the keyboards. <laughs> As he's driving. Oh, oh, it's like riding in the car with somebody else and currently yeah. looking at. Yes. <laughs> huh, weird. But Show Me the Way is a song really for anybody. You don't mm. have to be a rock fan to listen to it. Right. I know a lot of religious people that like this song because it's a very, it, it brings all genres together, I guess. It really does. It's just, it's a beautiful song. Well, my number five and I um, is from a, is from a band originally from Cleveland, and it's one of those deals where it's not really a band because it's like one person that calls himself a band, and then when he I, goes on tours, I hate that. And when they go on tour, it's him and a bunch of session musicians. Granted, I think he uses a lot of the same guys whenever he goes when he's touring, and that's Nine Inch Nails. So Trent Reznor is Nine Inch Nails. For the longest time, he was the only member of Nine Inch Nails. But then, starting in the early two thousands, I think is when Atticus Ross became an official member of Nine Inch Nails. So everything from that point forward says Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Now they're like big in-demand soundtrack people for Hollywood. And they got Grammys for it and uh, Oscars for it too. So I, when I was in the end of high school going into college, I really got into Nine Inch Nails. And about around that time, With Teeth came out, which was in 2005. And that album just hit me the right way. Like I'm this... I was a disaffected youth that was, didn't, yeah, I knew I was going to college, but you don't really know what the hell you're doing at that point in your life. You're 18 and everybody's like, okay, you're 18. You're now have to make every responsible decision in your life at this point. So you're not even old enough to vote yet because you're not to 18 yet, but you got to make all these big life decisions before you can get to the before you hit the 18th birthday like you got to figure out your college you got to figure out your living arrangements for college you got to do all this shit and 
on top of that was I was angsty and thought I was smarter than people. And so I was reading a bunch of books and, you know, like you said earlier, I was an asshole. I was also an asshole when I was at that age. Was? And oh, mm. so funny. Thank you. And so it really, so Nine Inch Nails really got to me about being this disaffected youth where you don't like people telling you what to do. But with With Teeth, it really, that album just really spoke. And I can still sit down and listen to With Teeth front to back and still get those feelings. And one of the songs that I really liked off of With Teeth was Sunspots. It's one of the slower songs on With Teeth. And the first thing that gets you is the bass line, that bass line. It is, and it just drives through the entire song. It's very rhythmic. It's very, and along with the drum beat that's being placed on top of the bass line, it's very mechanical. It's very precise. It's, and so it just keeps the same beat through the song with a little flourish every now and then when it's going into a bigger part of the song. But the tempo and the speed of the song remains the same throughout. The only thing that changes is that Trent Reznor's voice is getting louder and angrier, and there's more and more instrumentation around it. And that buildup is what I love. It just starts quiet, and it builds to this huge crescendo in the middle where you basically have what sounds like a saw just constantly going in the background, and then it comes right back down to just being that bass line on the outro of the song. And it just keeps building a bit. And essentially what the, what the song's about, it's, again, it's, I know this is going to shock you, babe. It's about addiction. I know a lot of rock songs are about addiction. But instead of him being on the nose with it, like when I talked about with Sabbath, about with you see, it's wrapped in the terminology of a bad relationship, which makes it a lot more interesting. And it makes it more lyrical and more you can take this song and you know what the basic story is is that it's because Trent Reznor was at one time it's still dragging him it's like a bad relationship it sometimes they pull you back in and stuff like that and it makes 100% sense because you can put these lyrics to anything you want really Sometimes it's sunspots cast a glare in my eyes. Sometimes I forget I'm alive. I feel it coming and I've got to get out of its way. I hear it calling and I come because I can't disobey. I should not listen and I shouldn't believe, but I do. That it makes sense. It makes you can feel that. You it makes perfect sense in like an old like a bad relationship or in anything that you know is a bad thing for you and you can't get away from it you can feel that you know what that means and like i said this song just keeps building and gets louder and louder and louder but the drum beat remains the same the bass line remains the same and then it just has this huge crescendo in the middle and that's why i picked it as number five for my list you know what really surprises me? I'm not a huge fan of Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. 
but Trent Reznor's, uh, like his influences mm. really surprised me because we watched uh, Beyond the Light Stage, which, which is the Rush documentary, and I highly recommend yes. it. It is a hell of a documentary. No, it's done by the same people who did that Metal Evolution. Yeah, but I think this one is like significantly better. Oh, 100 percent. I agree. They do a lot of those, but. Beyond the Lighted Stage is a hell of a music documentary. Like, mm -hmm. even if you don't like Rush, it is still a fun documentary. It's still a really watch. good documentary. And I think it would, you you come out, even if you don't like them, you come out with a different light. They, they're genuinely nice people. Mm -hmm. They're genuinely nice people. Uh, they get along, which a lot of bands don't. But I was just really surprised when you watch that documentary. The the bands that really surprised me that that were huge Rush fans, mm. Trent Reznor being one of them. Yeah, he was a big fan of '80s Rush, which, which makes sense. Yes, when you sit down and think about it in the context of of the music Nine Inch Nails makes, it really kind of it's not surprising that he preferred the synthy, heavy '80s or the synthy, synthy socially conscious, conscious '80s Rush. Yeah, because. It makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I could, the the lyrical content of some of the songs off of Signals and Power Windows, mm -hmm. if they were tweaked a little bit, they would be Nine Inch Nails songs. Yeah, absolutely. Hell, I think essentially they some of some of the lyrical content of <laughs> of the eighties Rush songs are basically Nine Inch Nails Nail songs. songs. Yeah. So it it makes perfect sense, and like you said, the synth. From the synth lines and the synth and heavy keyboards and things like that that Rush had in the 80s, mm -hmm. it makes 100% sense that, that Trent Reznor gravitated towards it because that's what a lot of Nine Inch Nails is. Pretty Hate Machine was essentially all keyboards. Mm -hmm. And that's all it was. Probably my favorite Nine Inch Nails album. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. It does. So. Uh, so I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our first episode. Um, this has gone a lot longer than I anticipated it going. Yeah, so we should probably cut this in half. Yeah. And uh, So the last five of these ten songs, I think we're going to do in part two on uh, the next episode. So, um, so it, everybody, if you could like, rate, subscribe, let us know what you think. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. I don't think we have an email address or anything set up yet, but we're going to get that Should together. Should be in the information when I upload this. Yeah. So, so we appreciate you people coming along with us for the ride on the first cast of our uh, podcast. We have opinions. 